Oh, wow, that went way faster than I thought it was going to. <laughs> Here we are. Oh my gosh. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my superb co-host, Courtney K. <laughs> Courtney, uh, here we go. <laughs> oh, my amazing co-host, Fallon Ballard. Um that countdown caught us off guard. <laughs> yeah, it like it went it was not five seconds. Normally it gives us five seconds to like collect ourselves. Yeah, and that no. did not happen. <laughs> There's no collecting here. <laughs> oh my goodness. How have you been, my friend? We haven't recorded in like a week, which feels like forever. <laughs> that was a really long week for me. I felt like I was forgetting something every day. Yes. I felt very lonely not seeing your face. <laughs> I think I even texted you like, or, you know, I almost texted you like, um, you can't go on vacation anymore. <laughs> but then I was like, no, that's maybe tox- a toxic thing to say. <laughs> I no, feel I was that. feeling it in my heart. <laughs> I felt that too. I think I had a moment... Um, not on this vacation where when where I was just like out of town for like a weekend and I was like I could totally just like bring my microphone with me like <laughs> I could record anywhere why did we... <laughs> totally fine we could do this anytime <laughs> oh my god I love that us out by the pool <laughs> oh my god with our yes microphone. okay happy to mute cute on vacay I, yes. Okay. We're doing that at some point in time. (laughs) Did you have a fun trip? I did. It was really cool. Um, so I went to Chicago for the first time. I had never been there before. Um, and we had like, it was like 80 degrees the whole time we were there. I was like, so mentally preparing myself to be freezing. And then of course we had like the most beautiful week in Chicago weather history. Um, but it was super fun. We are so one of our like travel goals is we're trying to visit all of the baseball stadiums um, around the country. So we went to see the Cubs and the White Sox, and um, which was just super fun. And you know Wrigley Field is like one of the oldest stadiums in baseball, so that was super cool. Um, and then the White Sox, I like really surprised me. I really enjoyed their stadium. They had really good food, like just a good atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then our main reason for going to Chicago was so that my son, who is obsessed with dinosaurs, could visit Sue the T-Rex, who lives at the Field Museum in Chicago. And it's the biggest T-Rex skeleton that has been like discovered um and he lost his shit (laughs) it was really fun um and i also i went out to love's sweet arrow which is like in one of like the suburbs of chicago and it was just like so lovely and i felt so bad because they're getting ready to move locations so they're like in the process of like you know get everything packed up and everything so I was like thank you for letting me come in and say hi and they were so nice and I can't wait to go back and and see their new store because it just looks like it's so cute it's in this like adorable little neighborhood it was just like the cutest thing ever and they were so kind and lovely um and i just love these romance bookstores that are like popping up all over the place it's the best it really is 
And anytime we're planning a vacation, I'm always looking like, what indie bookstores are around there? I want to go meet and say hi. Like, oh, they're just the best. Yeah. And they're always just like so happy to see you. It just makes you feel so good. So yeah, this is very exciting. Yes, We had a good trip, but I am happy to be home. Yeah. There's always that nice feeling of coming home. Yes, for (laughs) sure. What have you been up to? Um, well, (laughs) I mean, just like real life stuff, you know, my poor kid was sick. (laughs) Um, Work was extremely busy. We just finished one of our like major trade shows of the year. Um, And that's always like a wild time for me. Um, So I'm really happy that's done. It's super nice to check that off. But I really had a couple days here where I was just like <laughs> not pre- like just not just like a body <laughs> nothing was nothing was happening internally <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> um, oh I feel that those are the worst it's the worst when your kid is sick it just really I mean it's just awful yeah Good for you and then having to push through the trade show when she's so sick it was like Luckily, I could do it remotely, so that was great. But um, that's good. But yeah, I'm starting to feel like myself again. My little family's getting back on track, so <laughs> it feels good. Um, good, good, good. But yeah, oh, I started White Lotus because Yay! peer pressure. It works for me. <laughs> um, and I love, like, I love Jennifer Coolidge. I just oh. am kind of obsessed with her. <laughs> She's Stibler's the best. Mom. Yes. She is the best. Did you start with season one? I did. Okay. Yeah. And I'm glad that I talked to you about it first because, oh, I just realized our episode with um, talking about that show hasn't aired yet. It hasn't come out <laughs> yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. We had a good <laughs> talk about it. And so because of that talk, I started the show. And um, I don't think I would have stuck with it if we hadn't oh, had that talk only because um like the pacing of the first couple shows is very yeah. like you know they're setting everything up yeah yeah which is to be expected but yeah. i'm glad that like i had that talk to pull me through knowing that like the big stuff's coming yeah yeah sometimes yeah it's interesting with tv shows cuz sometimes it does take like a couple episodes to like really get in it and then you're like oh okay yeah this is gonna work for me but sometimes okay. it's hard to like devote that much time to something if you're not sure you're gonna like it yeah so. and the ensemble is incredible so Ugh, yeah Super excited. it's so many good people yes. so good we're also watching um re-watching what's it called god sorry my cat is like scratching things off of my bulletin board right now <laughs> um what oh outer banks so my daughter yeah my daughter is in her tween years and apparently this is the show you cannot be missing right now um but like the cat is now suspended (laughs) from the bulletin board i swear i'm sorry (laughs) no that's amazing (laughs) you know she i'm sorry i'm gonna get her 
You start talking about your show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I have been listening to um, the Forever 35 podcast, which I love and is co-hosted by Kate Spencer, who we have had on the yes. podcast before, who's amazing. Um, but they started this new series called Product Recall. And I think it's like every Friday, but they do a new episode every week where they are like going back to products that like you used as a teenager, like Sun In and the like St. Ives apricot scrub and just like the the, like drugstore kind of weird stuff that we all just sort of used. (laughs) Oh, they haven't done Went Wild yet. That would be a good one. (laughs) Um. And I just like I am obsessed with them. Like they're so interesting. Like they just uh, I just listened to one on Love's Baby Soft. Did you have that as a kid? It was like perfume that smelled like baby powder. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, it just is like the nostalgia and like they play all these commercials from like they did Nair. Like, you know, the hoo yeah. short shorts. <laughs> like, I remember. And it's just, like, so fun. And I'm just loving it. It's just such a really, it's a, like, I love their podcast in general. Um, but those episodes in particular that they're putting out right now are just, like, they're, I'm living for them. They're the best. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, I need to tune in. Oh, and yeah, what I, I, Oh, no, you go. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm I'm waiting for their Bath and Body Works like cucumber melon, <laughs> uh, because oh my god, did I? Which I know like Bath and Body Works still exists. I have not been in a Bath and Body Works in like probably a good ten to fifteen years, but like the way my life was defined by like what scent you are <laughs> at Bath and Body Works. It's like, like I went through phases, like I had a cucumber melon phase, I had a sunflower phase, like. Sweet pea. Oh, yes. Sweet pea. Oh my God. So good. I am back reliving that phase because of my daughter. Oh yeah. And it's so funny. Oh my God. It's exact. Some things just don't change. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and what I wanted Uh. to say too, with what's it called? Outer Banks. I don't want anyone to judge me because that show is pretty <laughs> advanced for like a tween, but we fast forwarded like 50% of it and are like, do you have any questions? <laughs> do you? Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> but I'm trying to like, I don't know. It's hard to balance the, I really want to watch this and like, okay, but yeah. you're not really there yet maturity wise. Yeah. So it's just like, if you actually did these things in real life, you would go to like jail. So <laughs> understand this (laughs) some things to keep in mind (laughs) (laughs) but but it's just it's just it's funny now to navigate those things because I know when I was a kid I wanted to watch stuff and my parents were like never in your life and so I would just watch it at my friend's house and be like traumatized (laughs) totally so I don't know I don't know here we are um, we were just having that conversation because we went to this like little 50s diner while we were in Chicago and they were playing a bunch of the songs from Greece. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. And my son is almost nine. And I was like, 
you know, by the time I was his age, I was like watching Grease on like a regular basis. But it was one of those things (laughs) that it wasn't until I watched Grease like as an adult where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, this movie is not appropriate for children. (laughs) (laughs) But I just like didn't get it. Like, you know, it all just like went over my head. So exactly (laughs) that big of a deal. But I was like, that's one if you haven't watched Grease in a long time, you should go watch it because you'll be like, uh yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of those movies that we used to watch and just didn't like comprehend maybe. Um Uh yeah. Like what's the other one that caught me off guard? Um, oh, Back to the Future. Oh, I haven't watched that in a while. Back to the Future. And there are just several that like, maybe the rating systems were different back then. Because some of them are like PG and I'm like, oh, damn. (laughs) This has some content I was not (laughs) prepared to explain. (laughs) I also too just think that there is, I mean, like just the way that like a lot of Disney movies have like, you know, jokes layered in that like the kids aren't going to understand. I think they just assume like, well, they won't even know what this is. So yeah, (laughs) until they do. And then they're like, oh, (laughs) with my mom. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Funny, funny. I love it. Um, Okay. Well, speaking of things that are inappropriate, we're going to have some very interesting conversations in this episode. Um, (laughs) I... (laughs) Speaking of inappropriate, this episode. (laughs) (laughs) When we originally recorded this interview, my husband overheard one of our segues and was like, I don't understand, like, what I'm hearing. Like, what is your life right now? Um, (laughs) But it was a good one. Um, But we have, like, top tier guest coming up today like so so excited to have her on the podcast she was amazing and we had some really really good conversations that um i think hopefully everybody's gonna enjoy yes i'm so excited we get to publish this episode during her release week of her fourth adult rom-com yes so please enjoy alexandria bellaflor um, t- we're talking about the fiance farce and so many fun things. Um, you're sure to enjoy as much as we did. Yay. So we'll be right back with Alexandria. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in again with us today. We have an amazing guest with us. Um, Alexandria Bellaflor is a best-selling and award-winning author of Swoony Contemporary Romance, often featuring lovable grumps and the sunshine characters who bring them to their knees, which is like my favorite thing I've read in a bio ever. (laughs) (laughs) A Pacific Northwesterner at heart, Alexandria has a weakness for good coffee. Yes. Pike IPA and Voodoo Donuts, which I've seriously always wanted to go there. Her special skills include finding the best pad thai in every city she visits, remembering faces but not names, falling asleep in movie theaters, and keeping cool while reading smutty books in public. How do you do that? Tell us your secret. (laughs) Her debut novel, Written in the Stars, was a 2021 Lambda Literary Award winner and a 2020 winner of the Ripped Bodice Awards for Excellence and Romantic fiction and we could not agree more thank you so much for being here alexandria oh thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to chat us too we've been texting like it's alexandria week (laughs) (laughs) we are not usually very good at like 
keeping our chill. We have no chill. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I don't. I don't have any chill either. So you know, we're yeah. we're all on the same page. <laughs> Good company. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How are you? I am good. I just moved to New York City, so I'm getting settled in. Um, oh, my yeah, God. I'm great. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I just had furniture delivered yesterday. That was a whole ordeal. So I was looking forward to this as, you know, a slightly, you know, um, less stressful <laughs> way to finish off the week. I did see your new couch, and it's amazing. Oh, thank oh you. God. Yeah, it's it's the Barbie couch of my dreams. <laughs> <gasps> I know I've been seeing all the really cute uh, posts you've been putting on Instagram of your adorable home decor. That's mm-hmm. always yeah, fun. I've, I've been, you know, scouring Etsy for like the cutest, slightly romance friendly, like home decor, like my get naked bath mat and my yes. Taylor Swift doormat, you know, it's <laughs> going to be like the, the paradise of a romance author. <laughs> oh my God. I'm obsessed. I have to send you this one account. Of like it's like okay. all pink and flowers, like this little studio apartment. Oh my god, I'm gonna send. Oh, it to I you. love it. That's perfect. <laughs> you have to. You have to. <laughs> oh, also, have you ever seen that Etsy account called Fugly Barbie? Yes, I love Fugly Barbie. Oh my god, I think I'm like their top buyer. I swear, I have like so much of their their merchandise. Um, like their oh god, their sweatshirts keep me warm in the winter. Oh, I love it. Oh, and they're so romance friendly too. I love that. They have all the different like romance, historical, like sweatshirts and like the covers. It's it's great. I love them. Me too. Oh my God. Okay. Fallon, you want to segue? I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to. I was about to. Yeah. Um, okay. So Fiance Farce is mm-hmm. your newest book. Um, I was saying before we started recording that I started it late last night and was like so mad at myself that I could not keep reading, <laughs> but because I, I read like the first two chapters and I was like, I'm obsessed with this already. Oh. Um, so tell us all about it. Give us like the elevator pitch. Tell us all of the amazingness. Yeah. So it's my fourth book. It's a sapphic rom-com about a quiet bookstore owner who agrees to a marriage of convenience with a newspaper heiress who moonlights as a romance novel cover model. Um, It's like all of my tropes just like slammed into one. Like it just like were, it was all of my id items, everything that just makes me happy. I poured into this book. So it basically starts off with Tansy, this bookseller who's trying to get her stepfamily off her back. There are some Cinderella vibes in there. And so she concocts this fake girlfriend using a romance novel cover model as inspiration. And she never believes that they're going to cross paths, but Of course, this is a romance, so we know they are going to. (laughs) Um, So at a family wedding, uh, the romance novel cover model walks in, and lo and behold, she needs to get married to inherit her grandfather's newspaper publishing empire. And Tansy's laid the groundwork with this fake relationship, and she announces that they're actually engaged. And, you know, we're off to the races, and hijinks ensue as they, you know, get to know each other. And, of course fall in love <laughs> Yay! so good it's yes. amazing <laughs> just the concept of like I mean I am always obsessed with any books that like take place in the book world like mm-hmm. however that comes about and then just like the cover model like I just 
it's just so good. So good. Yeah, especially since like covers are so important, but I feel like it's also kind of an analogy of like, don't judge a book by its cover. And so the the characters have to kind of, you know, go a little deeper. She sees Gemma as this like, you know, this ideal and they they get to know each other and, um, you know, between the pages. <laughs> oh, I love that. Did you see The Lost City? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That was so perfect. I felt like that was the, like, kind of like a rom-com renaissance moment, like a return to like really funny, but romantic movies. I've missed them so much. And so, yeah, I loved it. I saw it. I loved it. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with the idea of the cover model, you know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. so cool. So I just, when I first read your um, announcement, I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I need, <laughs> what I've been yeah. wanting. And can we also take a minute for your gorgeous cover, which actually you should probably use as wallpaper in your new place. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm planning on having the cover blown up and put like somewhere behind me um, because it's so stunning. I mean, I, I feel so fortunate that Avon uh, lets me give so much input for my covers. I feel like some people don't get as much input, but I give them I always joke that I'm notorious at Avon. I send like 20 page PDFs, everything (laughs) of like what the characters look like, what they're wearing, uh, all of it, the background, like I go all in, I'm very type A on that. And they gave me basically exactly what I wanted. So I felt felt so lucky. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. And who's the artist? Oh gosh. Oh, um, Fernanda Suarez is the illustrator and oh god uh oh it's okay uh, no pressure yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's just so so beautiful oh yeah I love it so much it's it's so swoony I wanted kind of the return to like the clinch like the clinch cover pose especially because Gemma is a cover model so I kind of wanted a nod to like the the historical romance covers that are are so romantic and kind of you know very intimate that we don't necessarily have in contemporary romance right now. So I feel very fortunate that I got that. Yes. I was going to say, it's like, it's illustrated, but it gives you the vibes of like not illustrated covers, which I mean, I love the illustrated covers. I'm a big fan. I'm never going to knock them because I think they're adorable. Um, But it is kind of nice to see like a little bit of a different take on it. Yeah, it's kind of photorealistic, illustrated, but yeah. just with like a slightly different different bent. Yeah. There's exactly. room for all sorts of covers. Yeah. Yes. And it's Absolutely. so pink. Yes. It's so yes. Pink. <laughs> which is my favorite color, which surprises nobody if you've seen my social media. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. So good. So how did you come up with the idea for this book? Like what was your spark of inspiration? Oh, yeah. So I love reading historical romance. And I read Tessa Dare's When a Scot Ties the Knot. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's about, you know, the heroine concocts this imaginary bow and uh, then he shows up and she has to deal with the fallout of pretending to be in this relationship. And so I kind of wanted to bring that into the contemporary space. And then there's also, um, it's called The Bachelor. It came out in 1999 starring Chris O'Donnell and Renee Zellweger, and he has to get married to inherit his grandfather's, uh, I think it's like a, like a billiards like empire. And so I kind of mashed them together and made it sapphic um, because, you know, queer romance is my jam. 
And that was, that was my initial spark. I was like, I'm going to do a marriage of convenience and someone's going to have concocted a story um, about dating somebody that they weren't actually dating. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. <laughs> it's kind of hard sometimes, I feel like, to pull off marriage of convenience in a contemporary. Absolutely. I love that twist on it. Yeah, I, I I think that it's very difficult. I was trying to think of reasons at first, like, is it going to be about health insurance? Like, they have to get married, like, so that someone has health insurance. Um, and then I was like, you know what? For romance reasons, there's a will. There's a will. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And it, it totally works when you have, like, you know, this older grandfather figure who maybe is, like, stuck in a different time. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> totally makes sense. I yeah. love it. Perfection. Looking at, sorry, I'm like not smooth at segueing. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, but we what we can like segue with is just the contemporary romance space. So I'm really excited to chat with you about this. Putting the calm in rom com and what differentiates rom com from contemporary romance. I think this has been like a big conversation on socials lately. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because I think it's something we all have so much fun, like analyzing and kind of pinpointing. Um, and I don't really know like where to dive in exactly, but I guess where would you begin with, with that idea? Yeah. I think it's such an interesting conversation because comedy is so subjective and, you know, we all have different ideas around what's funny. So some people love slapstick humor and like people falling down the stairs or, you know, being stuck in like situational humor is really funny to some people. Whereas other people have a dry sense of humor and they love, you know, witty banter dialogue that, you know, is a little kind of sardonic. I think for me, the distinguishing factor is that the comedy should be part of the situation that brings the characters together. You know, like whatever is throwing the characters together should be kind of lighthearted in a sense. So, you know, I think a lot of contemporary romance can have that witty dialogue, that banter, but what sets it apart from a rom-com is the situation that brings the characters actually together. That's, that's what it is for me. Um, but I know other people have different opinions. I, I like to keep it a little bit more lighthearted, but I don't think that you ha- can't have angst. You know, mm-hmm. you still need to have those like deep emotions. Um, but I do think that what also influences it is that rom-com in books is very different than rom-com in film. You know, we can we can call a lot of things a rom-com as long as it ends happily in a movie. But I think the books have a different, you know, kind of checklist that they have to achieve. Yeah, certain expectations that people are looking yeah. for. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes yeah. sense because you spend so much time with a book and there's such a structure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the main the main rule for rom-coms and movies is just that it ends happily. But yeah. that's just romance. <laughs> that's just romance in books, yeah. period. So you have to have more humor in the books than you do in a movie. Yeah. I have always thought that, and it's kind of like what you were saying, Alexandria, is like a rom-com book, there has to be something funny about the plot, not mm-hmm. just that the words on the page are funny, but there has to be comedy like built into the storyline. And I yeah. always use um, You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogle as a good example yes. of that, where it's like, 
you know, you have these people that are engaged and they're both like trying to get the other one to break up with them. Like that (laughs) plot is inherently funny and comedic. And, um, and obviously Sarah is hilarious. So you you build that humor on top of it. Um, But I think it's like, it's so interesting because what we have seen over the past few years is just this rise in the rom-com book because I think, you know, we are all looking for a little escapism. We're all looking for a little bit of lighthearted fun. And I think publishing as an industry has sort of like latched onto this, like, oh, well, this is selling. So we'll just call everything. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I do think I understand where readers are coming from with some frustrations. When everything's billed as a rom com, they have certain expectations. And it's kind of hard as an author because you're not always in control of how your book is wholly marketed or what people are going to call it. Not just your publisher, but again, because comedy is subjective. Some mm. readers are going to say, this is a rom com, even if you didn't intend to write a rom com. So, right. Yeah, there, there are a lot of levels to it. And yeah, but I agree. It has to have something built in at its core that is 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 lighter, a little lighter that's throwing them together. And yeah, I agree about Sarah Hogel's, that entire concept. I think also, I think we can suspend disbelief a little bit more with rom-coms. That was something that I, I selected the title, The Fiancé Farce, very intentionally because it's farcical. It's a little out there. It's a little outlandish. It's not the most realistic. And that's kind of what comedy is. You know, it Mm -hmm. it can, it has different rules and yeah, you can kind of air a little bit more toward the, the fantastical that you might not in a pure contemporary romance. Yeah. One of my favorite comments that I've seen often about just my type is that like, this would never happen. This would never be allowed in the workplace. And I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) exactly exactly it's it's a rom-com it's it's not meant if you wanted something real i mean there's real life for you you know this is an escape well lit fix shelves are right over there (laughs) (laughs) absolutely what i love about rom-coms too though is that it allows us to take real life hang-ups or hurts or things that we want to dissect And then put that up against something incredibly quirky and outlandish and like throw in all these over the top characters and over the top scenarios um, with like this kind of anchor of dealing with this character's wound. Right. And I, I just, I always really love that because it makes it escapist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still, when I'm still writing my rom-coms, I'm still coming at it from the background of thinking about my characters, you know, wounds, fears, false beliefs, their hangups. They still have these goals and motivations that I think are realistic, but then adding that layer of comedy to it. I think some people don't realize how difficult that is. I think it's a whole other skill set, adding that that humor that you're still dealing with your characters. Yeah, personal hangups and they're they're going through emotion they're sorting through their emotional baggage but you're still delivering an experience to the reader that ends up being lighthearted and making them laugh hopefully at the end of the book and yeah so i think there's a whole craft component that can't be ignored in that 
Yeah. And I think the juxtaposition is really fun. And also, I don't know, like not to get like too deep, but life is that way. Like life is everything at once, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really fun. Yeah. To play with that on the page. Like we're going to have this really deep moment and then the next chapter is going to open with a really outlandish line or scenario or, and like kind of playing with that is is really fun to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I actually, I attended, uh, the strand event, uh, Maisie Eddings launched last night. Yeah. And she mentioned that, you know, looking back some of the most like traumatic moments in her life, she looks at them as being funny moments. And (sighs) that really resonated with me that you can then look at it through a lens of, wow, that was awful in the moment. But now looking back, I can see the humor in it. And I think that's what rom-coms kind of do. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. I love (laughs) rom-coms. Yes, so much. (laughs) No, but I just love that overall, I think, Courtney, what you're saying is like, you still have these like incredibly deep emotions. You still have, you know, the trauma or, you know, whatever it is that the characters need to work through. But when you come at it with this angle of lightheartedness and comedy, it's almost like it makes it more relatable in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, like as a reader. It makes it a little bit more relatable. And I love that. It's relatable. And it's also, I think it's a little bit of a gentle space for readers to unpack if they've gone through something similar. It's not all doom and gloom. It's it's a soft landing for them. Oh, that's such a great way to say it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. My dog is freaking out. (laughs) I'm going to go take him outside while you guys get started on our next topic. Because as our listeners know, I'm a terrible person. And I don't listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Don't kick me out of romance landia. I would like to stick around, please. We'll stick you on probation. You. It'll be like you're on probation. <laughs> All right. So you guys get started on that topic and I will jump back in in a second. <laughs> okay, the big question is, did you get tickets? <laughs> I did. Okay. I knew I did. you would I- have. Okay. But funny story. I was actually in New York city. I was apartment hunting. I was like juggling, signing my lease and like hoping I was going to like, well, first it was like hoping I was going to get the apartment. And then I was like stuck in my hotel all day on Ticketmaster waiting to get in. I got like the, the verification code, like the presale, everything. But I spent a whole day. I, I don't want to say I wasted a whole day <laughs> because it was worth it. But it was an investment. Day. It was yeah. an investment. I spent a whole day sitting in my hotel and I got tickets. Hell so I'm yeah. very happy. Yes, I'm very happy. I mean, I'm like probably sitting behind a pole, I think. Like, <laughs> I'll be like peering around the pole. Like, but you know what? You could get it. some great photo ops with that. Like, I oh, yeah. Know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, it's, it's probably more like, like a pylon pillar thing than like a straight up pole. But, you know, I'll make it work. <laughs> Oh my God. Amazing. Do you have your outfit picked out? I do. I'm going with like a mirror ball vibe. So like a, like a disco ball inspired dress. Oh my God. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Did you get tickets? No, I don't have tickets, but I am just like living for everybody's outfits that they're posting. Like, because it's like a whole fashion event this tour. I'm obsessed with it. And everybody seems to be picking, well, because of eras, right? So they're picking Mm -hmm. like different tailor eras to dress as, 
or different albums, like inspirations. I'm like, I'm so here for it. So I'm just living vicariously. Yes, absolutely. I've seen some hilarious outfits. I saw someone dressed up as like a stoplight, you know, like from like, you know, yeah, like, you know, with like Cornelia Street and like (laughs) Death by a Thousand Cuts, all of like the references I'm seeing are just amazing. People are so creative. (laughs) Oh, seriously. So how, I actually have a question for you and how much like do Taylor Swift albums or songs or lyrics inspire some of your scenes or books or ideas? So much, 100%. I mean, music as a whole plays a huge part in my, kind of my plotting, but just also my like inspiration around a scene. I can't listen to music while I draft. I feel like some people can, but I can't. The words get too stuck in my brain, but I will go on a walk and I'll listen to like my playlist for a book before I start drafting. And that definitely influences my writing session. And yeah, so Taylor has been a huge, huge influence in all of my books. Um, I like to put little Easter eggs in my scenes. Uh, I feel like the fiance farce probably has the most clear cut Taylor references out of all of my books, but yeah, huge, huge influence. Yay. I love it. I love seeing readers pick those out. I've seen some of those shout outs um, online and I love it. <laughs> yeah. I actually, there's one line. Um, I don't know if it's in, I don't want to say the chapter actually, because I'm probably going to do a giveaway if someone can find my favorite line in the fiance fires, but it's a Taylor Swift reference. Um, nobody's found it yet. I've been asking and everyone's been saying the wrong one. So, Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, this is fun. A hunt. Yes. The hunt is on. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, because I mean, Taylor does the Easter eggs. Like, you know, she does little, like she did all of her album, like, like, you know, clues with like the capitalization in her earlier albums, like in the, the lyrics. Um, so that's yeah, right. I that's feel like right. That's my own little nod to her Easter eggs. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't it be funny if I'm the one who finds the table line? <laughs> you might. I'm you might. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope you are. I'm going to be paying attention now as I'm reading. Yeah, because you won't overanalyze it. You're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> I mean, true. I will say it's in the first 50% of the book. Oh, first okay. 25% okay. of oh, the book. Okay. The game is afoot. You heard it here. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say about Taylor? I'm good. good. We're just going to talk about her all day. Taking a moment. I really love how she's like, I don't know, coming into herself recently, I feel like. (laughs) I love to see her like growing up and I don't know. I've been a fan since I was young. So, Yeah. And I love to see her happy. Yes. She seems happy. She seems so happy. And that makes me happy for her. Yes. We love this for you, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) I do think as a non-listener, it still is very interesting watching her kind of like what she's been going through with like getting the rights back to the music and like just as a creative person, it's a very interesting conversation to have sort of been an outsider of, of like, you know, what those questions are, like who owns your work and who kind of takes that ownership role and you know we're all in traditional publishing so we're at the mercy of our publishers a lot of times and and it's just an interesting conversation to have as as a creative for 
sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. I'm so glad that she's reclaiming her, her work, her previous work, even if it means, you know, re-recording. I'm all here for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Good for her. Yeah. I love that. I love that conversation. Keep, keep the fashions coming because they all are incredible. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tag Very us in sad. your outfits. <laughs> yes, yes. I want to see them all. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of incredible fashion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have been obsessed the past few days with the new Barbie movie trailer that dropped, but not even that so much as the big poster with like all of the different Barbies. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just obsessed, and I imagine this is something that might be in your wheelhouse, Alexandria. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> I've been like sitting on Twitter, and I've been watching. I watched the trailer drop, and I watched all the movie posters drop, and all the reactions, and I made a really horrifying like poster of myself in a Barbie filter. <laughs> it was like it was scary. It was a jump scare. I put it on Instagram. Um, but no, I'm here perfect. for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely here for all of it. I. I love Barbie and I kind of love what she represents. And I like Greta Gerwig's whole kind of anachronistic vibe with it. Um, it still sticks close to, you know, the Barbie we know. I think it's hilarious that all of the Barbies have these very important like professions and roles like diplomat. And then this is Ken. This is another <laughs> Ken. He's also Ken. And I don't know. I personally love seeing guys get all up in arms and they're like, why doesn't Ken have a job? And it's like, really you're asking that question i saw someone post they were like you don't know the barbie lore <laughs> it's like you don't you don't just, just wait 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 let us enjoy this barbie lore what is this well, i don't just know that, like, I barbie know. barbie has had like you know hundreds of professions and oh, ken right. is always just ken he's just always ken <laughs> he's just ken He's and an the fact that guys don't know it the guy there are some guys that are like why doesn't he have a job it's he's ken Oh yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, job that's so is true. To support Barbie and just be yes. there for her, like yeah. absolutely hold the purse. That's yes, job, hold Ken. the purse. <laughs> yes, yes, and I love the deep dive into like the Barbie history that they're doing with like Midge and mm-hmm. Alan, like these two like limited edition, like limited release dolls. Like I can tell that the producers have done their homework, so I'm super excited. I don't really even care about the plot. Like Barbie doesn't need a plot. It's all vibes. No. Yeah. It does not need a plot. I actually hope it doesn't have a plot. I hope it's <laughs> right. Just, yeah. That's all I want. Um, that shot in the trailer when she like steps out of her shoes and is like still on, like I died. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. I gasped. I was watching it and I gasped when her sh- her foot stayed in like the Barbie foot position. <laughs> I was like, that is, that is camp. That is amazing. I love that. They know what they're doing with the movie, you know? Yeah. I, I trust them. <laughs> yeah. And I think they went into it, like, knowing who their audience is and, like, staying really true to that and not yes. being, like, this needs yes. to appeal to the ma- the masses. They're like, nope, we know exactly who this movie is for. And they're going to turn up and they're going to show out for it. And yes. I'm so excited. Me too. And I thought it was hilarious, the scene with – um her and Ken where he's like, maybe I'm going to stay over. Can I stay over tonight? And she's like, what would we do? He's like, I don't actually know. <laughs> it was like, it was so perfect. It was so perfect. And I've seen, I've seen some people complain on Twitter. They're like, Barbie is for children. And I'm like, but this movie is not. 
Absolutely yeah, right. not. Right. <laughs> yeah, this movie is for millennials and yes. that's about it. <laughs> yes, it's for us to relive our Barbie Barbie dreams. And I have to say, when they originally announced Ryan Gosling, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I see that, but the more I see of him in it, I'm just like, okay, yes, this was actually the perfect decision. Yeah, I, I agree. At first I was not sold on it, but then I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, I get I get what they're going for with this. And I think he's going to, I trust it. I trust it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to have like a big Romance Landia like watch party. <gasps> yes. Oh gosh. I would so be there for that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Live tweeting. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> For sure. It's going to be so good. I may not have gotten tickets for Taylor Swift, but I did get tickets for this Barbie <laughs> experience in LA. Oh my gosh. And um, I don't, Fallon, I don't remember if I already mentioned this or not, but um, so there's like this limited edition experience thing where you go and believe me, I'm going to dress up like a Barbie and <laughs> we're going to go to, it's like, a life-size Barbie dream house with a pool and a camper. I don't even know. Like it wasn't expensive at all. So I'm assuming that's all it is, but you get to like take photos and just like (laughs) be in this life-size Barbie space. I'm so excited. I love that. You're going to have to take so many pictures. That sounds like an Instagrammer's dream. (laughs) I think so. I think that's what it is. Um, oh my God. I'm so excited. Okay. And I, I'm dying to know when I was young, it, it would take me, I would spend like maybe two full days just setting up the Barbie and it would take over my entire room, like this Barbie village or whatever I would create. And then the actual playing was like, I would stuff like a Barbie bike helmet in her shirt and be like, she's pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. That was the big deal when I was young was like the Barbie had to be pregnant. Oh my God. I I don't know. What kind of Barbie player were you? Oh gosh. I, I actually had a life-size Barbie at one point and no way you had that. It was my best Christmas of all. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I styled her hair and she was gorgeous. Yeah. I guess the Barbie player that I was, I guess it speaks to the romance author in me. I was always big on the romance and Mm -hmm. I don't even think I completely understood what I was doing with my Barbies. Um, But I would like smash them together. And then I would be like, (laughs) I didn't understand. I mean, I was a child, but I was like, I had obviously seen enough of like TV, like, I don't know, soap operas with my grandmother that I kind of got the gist of something happening between Barbie and Ken. And then, yeah, then Barbie would have a baby. And so that was my, my earliest romance author, uh, you know, dreams come to life. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is like playing with dolls and stuff like that. It's totally like a setup for writing because you put them in, you know, the clothes that you want them to wear. You put them in whatever scenarios you want them to be in. And Mm -hmm. that's how romance writers are born. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) Oh my God. Are Sims digital Barbies? Oh yeah. Oh yes. For sure. Yes. 100%. (laughs) For sure. Full storylines. Yeah. (laughs) 
I just to say too, one of my favorites from the poster is the Kate McKinnon Barbie, where she's oh the my one with yes. the leg been drawn on and like the hair, all the cut hair off. chopped up. <laughs> I got it immediately. Yes, one hundred percent. I love that so much. I'm so interested in seeing how the all the Barbies like come together, like you know, in yeah. that Barbie world, yes. how they interact with each other. I I'm excited. And I love Skipper. I hope we get a Skipper. I don't know if I've seen that yet on the posters, but I've seen a Skipper. I'm gonna need I one. But I, I know that there's a Midge, and Midge came oh, out right. at the same time as Skipper. So yeah. maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I just hope we get a bunch of these movies, like forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Here for it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, well, transitioning from Barbie to erotica in the Victorian era. (laughs) (laughs) Quite the segue. (laughs) Love it. You know, those two totally go together. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I I am so excited for this conversation. Where do we start? Erotica in the Victorian era. (laughs) So like when you picture this, what are you picturing? Like in fiction or in history? In history, yeah. Okay, so I was one of those kids who had, like, my special interest was in the Victorian era. I was one of those, like, obsessed. I could tell you everything there was to know about the Victorian era, like, everything. And, of course, it started off with, like, the pretty dresses, and then I got a little older. And I, you know, everyone thinks about the Victorian era as being so, like, starchy, and everyone was so, like, uptight. Mm -hmm. And I you know, before I really started reading romance though, I was reading a lot of just plain historical fiction and it wasn't, it wasn't steamy enough for me. So I was like, I feel like this isn't accurate. Come on. People have always been kind of raunchy. So (laughs) this is missing. And I did a deep dive and I figured out that the Victorians were supremely horny people, like, because I guess they were so socially repressed. And so they had like all these, like underground like newsletters and pamphlets and it was like all body poems and body fiction and it was really interesting to kind of see this almost like this birth of erotica like as we know it today playing out in these like underground newsletters one was called the pearl and they had like i mean it was like it was like pretty explicit not even just for the victorian era like straight up what we would consider erotica today. I mean, like BDSM erotica that was like, um, it it reminds me of like the Lady Whistledown papers in Mm -hmm. Bridgerton, like being passed around, but even more covert. And so I don't know, I just think the dichotomy of like this starchy society that was actually just really supremely horny is really funny to me. It's just people have always been the way that they are now. It just dressed up a little differently. Oh my god. I love that. And I feel like that's the thing you hear about historicals all the time is like, oh well this would never happen. Like they would never act like this. No. And you're like, really? No, <laughs> I mean it really was. They had like complete like BDSM clubs, like underground clubs and like spankings and like all sorts of like wild out there um you know places to gather and they had they were sharing erotica. I just think it was so interesting. These like newsletters, these pamphlets, and so many people were credited as anonymous. And that kind of makes me like 
a little sad that people weren't Mm. actually credited under their names. Like today we have pseudonyms if we want, but they were just anonymous. And so, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. And it's so interesting. Of course, I not to make it too deep again, but like, (laughs) it's like the sense of shame surrounding what must be hidden or what must be thought of as bad or shameful or like, I don't know, growing up in like a really conservative Christian household, I always kind of think about that because I don't, I don't know, like that whole era was about like pretenses and putting up Mm -hmm. this whole visual facade, but then they were still like, just like everybody else, (laughs) you know, like what you were saying, people haven't changed. We've always been the same. We always have had like curiosities and interests and I don't know. So unpacking the shame that surrounds that, like why it had to be so secretive and why it had to be so covert. It's just interesting. It's interesting. It is. And I don't, I, I'm not enough of a history buff to know like where it changed. I'm sure it had something to do with the church. I don't know if it was Mm. which church, Um, Catholic church, church of England. I don't know, but with like medieval England, like they had, um, I always forget the name, but they had like really, it's like a famous poem. I'm blanking on the name. Like it's taught in all sorts of English classes, hmm. completely blanking on it. But it was like in old English and it was like revered as like the best fiction of its like time. And then there was some sort of regression where everyone got buttoned up, but the people themselves didn't change. So yeah, I don't know where the shame came into play, but I'm sure it was with some sort of church. <laughs> That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Always the patriarchy. So I'm sure we can just put the blame Always. right there. Yes. <laughs> but that's fascinating. Now I need to go. Uh, now I'm like actually interested in learning about history and going back. <laughs> no, I, you can actually find. Uh, I've been looking for them because I collect like first edition romance novels um, all the way back to like the 70s. That's been like a hobby of mine for the last few years. But I've been looking online to actually find the first editions of that one, like erotica magazine, The Pearl from the Victorian era. And you can actually find them, but they're ridiculously expensive. They're like, oh my gosh, one little pamphlet is like $2,000 and that's too rich for my blood. So, Oh God, yeah. Oh, but amazing. Yeah. And it reminds me of the step backs, right? So you have yes. like... I'm I'm fascinated with that history because it was another Mm -hmm. like covert secretive thing where you're reading your romance novel and on the outside um, for anyone who doesn't isn't familiar with step backs the history of step backs a romance novel would have a flowery cover or something very romantic and demure but then you would open it and you'd have that sexy clinch on the inside (laughs) which was it's just fascinating Yeah, it's fascinating. I do want to bring back, I mean, I want to bring back the sexy covers, period. But I do love that history of the step back that if we're not going to have, you know, because covers are so heavily debated, especially the illustrated covers, and I love them. But in some ways, I'm like, oh, if we're going to have an illustrated cover, can we have a step back? Can we have that photorealistic, sexy clinch that you flip to? Because I was actually, I was in a Barnes and Noble recently and I was talking to two younger readers and it's interesting to see how generations have different thoughts on covers that they really like the kind of discreet 
that they don't mm. want, you know, they don't want the clinch. It's interesting seeing, you know, and hearing people's opinions. So if we could have that, you know, cute illustrated cover and then flip it to the step back where it's ultra sexy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And like, is the cutesy, mild illustrated cover just another version of the flower cover? Oh my God. I I think it is. I think, I don't know. I, you know, I understand a lot of different cover trends. The one that I don't understand is the like architectural cover trend. I don't know if Mm. you guys have seen the different iterations of uh, tender as the storm, you know, with like his butt, Mm. like being out and he's like grabbing her. It's Joanna Lindsay and super famous cover, but it's gone through so many iterations. It had a floral cover and then it had like a house, like a log cabin. Like, what does that, what does that tell you about a book? Like that was, that was a trend, I think in the like late, late eighties, early nineties, this like architectural cover. It was like a log cabin. I don't, I don't understand that trend personally, but. (laughs) Yeah. I do think it kind of like, it ties into again, that whole rom-com thing where publishers are trying to appeal to a broader audience and these sort of like cutesy not as scandalous covers are something that more people are going to be willing to pick up Mm. because some people are still ashamed of reading romance and we should get over that but Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's happening immediately or anytime soon so it's like it makes it more I feel like publishers think it makes it more palatable for maybe a non-romance reader to go pick up this book because it's got mm-hmm. an adorable Yeah, cover. I agree. And as much as I wish everyone would be completely unashamed to be, you know, holding a clinch cover on the subway like me, <laughs> like I have no shame, as much as I wish everyone felt that way, they don't. And I do think that publishing's bottom line is always going to be sales and whatever yeah. is selling the most and what the most readers are willing to pick up. And so right now it is trending toward the cuter illustrated rom-com covers, which I still love. I do too. It's interesting. It's interesting to know, you know, why, why trends are happening. Exactly. Yeah. It was fun to um, have like the cutesy illustrated cover, which I love my covers. I love the cutesy illustrated trend. I think they're adorable and sweet. Um, but it was fun to do pre-order art that was like smoldering. I loved it. It was so oh. fun. <laughs> it was just yeah, like, the, yeah, oh, I loved it. And then slipping it Especially, inside. <laughs> yeah. Especially because like rom-coms, you know, I think it's like the two sides of it. It's got that fun, lighthearted mm-hmm. component, but you know, there's still, there's still steam in a lot of rom-coms. So offering that to readers is, is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just have to say, if you're interested in like, that Victorian sex club kind of a vibe. Um, Eva Lee has a yes. historical series. And of course I will forget the names. I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. Um, but it's like the best, my favorite historicals. I think they're so good um, where it's a female owner of like a sex club. Oh, yeah. And then they're like one of her friends, like writes like erotica kind of stuff it's so good I'll, oh my god go <laughs> I think I've read one of those is it her like 80s inspired like no it's not that one it's um it was before that one okay um, yeah they're so good okay I'm excited I'm, I don't know if I've read that one then so I'm excited yeah. to hear what it is <laughs> yes 
I will look up the titles because I can never remember titles. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Amazing. I yes, definitely. Second of it. Um, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram at a.m.bellaflor. Make sure you put the little dots between or else you'll upset the A.M. Bellaflor without the dots. (laughs) 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 Took the handle before I could get it. (laughs) And I'm I'm also on, yeah, no, she actually, she messaged me and was like, I'm getting so many messages from these people. (laughs) She was so upset. I was like, okay, well, if you want to give me that handle... She was upset. She was really upset. Um, <laughs> and then on on Twitter, it's just A M Bellaflor. You don't have to put the dots. It's it's okay. Uh, and you can also find me online at alexandriabellaflor.com. Amazing. Awesome. And the fiance farce comes out, is it next week, Alexandria? Uh April 18th. Oh, the 18th. Oh, you're like, don't do that to yeah, me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like having a little bit of a heart attack. Like, Wait, no, it's not next week. No, no, no. <laughs> Just around the corner, though. Here before you know it. <laughs> the 18th. So by the time this you're listening to this podcast, the book is out now. So you can go. Yay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you will be having an amazing launch event, right? At the Strand, yes. I believe. Yes, I will be at the Strand on the 20th, April 20th, joined by Tessa Bailey and Casey McQuiston. I'm so excited. Um, That's like my dream event. And then I will also be in LA for the LA Times Festival of Books. And then I'll also be at a Polycon in DC. Yay. And we'll also see you at Steamy Lit Con, right? In August. Yes, in August. Yes, I will be there. Yes. (laughs) So excited. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We so appreciate you coming to chat with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Thank you. All right. And thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.